I'm Chelsea. I'm Deidre. And we're giving you a million murders. technical difficulties <laughs> with my junky computer but hopefully things look up yes i could tell you were about to say something about it because the hello was not excited and i was like she's about to tell it there was a struggle but we got it oh today i'm going to well i found this article mm-hmm. and it's titled 10 eerie last words of people who then vanished without a trace mm-hmm. now there's probably which I know there's a couple words because we recorded a little bit. We had to delete it because it was all <laughs> demonic sounding. Right. I said it right. You did. So, <laughs> um, there's going to be words going to be like, what? Yes. All right. So, because I already forgot how to say those one words. Ominous. We'll get to poignant. it. Ominous. Ominous. Yeah. Poignant. Poignant. P-O-I-G-N-A-N-T. Poignant. Innocuous. Okay. I'll still forget. <laughs> Scores of people go missing every day. An overwhelming majority of such cases end up resolved, often quite promptly. Still, far too many families of missing persons never know closure, but at reuniting with their lost loved ones or find learning it, learning of their fate. When someone van- <laughs> when someone vanishes without a trace, it's not uncommon for that person's last words to others to stand out in their memories. These final words can be ominous poignant or quite unremarkable they may offer disturbing hints as to the missing person's fate or they may be innocuous statements which in no way foreshadowed what was to come the following are accounts of 10 people who disappeared as well as the last things they said to 911 operators co-workers friends or family oh shoot let's get into it so the first one. Michael Mike McLean sent or spent the evening of April twentieth, twenty nineteen at the Tropical Lounge nightclub in Nashua, New Hampshire. Hmm. The twenty <laughs> New Hampshire. The twenty nine year old resident of nearby Manchester was at the club with friends and by all accounts had no reason to abandon his life. That night, a dispute occurred between two women at the club. They stepped outside, at which point the situation escalated. A crowd formed. Mike, who knew one of the women, broke the fight up, but the police had been called. They dispersed the onlookers, and it was at this point that Mike's friends lost track of him. A bit before 2 a.m. the next morning, Mike called his boss and said, They're after me. What? More than one. Ominous statement prompted her to call him back, but there was no answer. Mike hasn't been seen since that night. What? Mike's family knew something was amiss when he didn't return calls on Easter or call his sister on her birthday. It is believed that he left the nightclub on foot. His phone was last pinged at a McDonald's a few blocks down the street from the tropical lounge at around the time he called his boss. But there are a few other clues for investigators to go on. His credit cards have shown no activity. He hasn't posted anything on social media. And he remains missing as of this writing. And this 
article was written in 2019. So, after I cover this, I'm going to go back some point and, like, look up each one to see if there was any news, like, any changes or anything, or if anybody's been found. Mm -hmm. So, I'll do that. Where's Mike? Yeah, where's Mike? (gasps) So, the second one, uh, Will... I do not know how to pronounce his last name. C-I-E-R-Z-A-N. Searson? That's what I was going to say, but you know how my <laughs> luck goes. So if it's not correct, I apologize. So Will, I'll just call him Will. Will, 58 years old, was a longtime employee at Six Flags Magic Mountain and enjoyed watching sports, collecting Coca-Cola, bo- Coca-Cola bottles, mm-hmm. and cooking. He spent the afternoon of January 26, 2017 at his home in Santa Clarita, California, watching golf on TV with his nephew. After the nephew left, Will began to make dinner. At around 4.30 p.m., his wife, Linda, called him and, and Will said, I'm putting dinner on. When she called again at roughly 5 p.m., Will was in a good mood and said that the chicken was cooked. I'm like out of breath. I don't know why. However, video. Fuck on my shit. <laughs> However, when Linda arrived at home around 6 p.m., Will, which is an hour after she talked to him, mm-hmm. Will was nowhere to be seen. Dinner was cooked, the oven was turned off, and Will's coat, keys, and wallet were all present. What? Oh Lord. Nothing had been taken from the wallet. The family's dog was at home, and Will's truck was parked outside. A few cryptic clues would emerge. In February 2017, it was revealed that some of Will's blood had been found in the house. Surveillance footage from a neighbor's house showed that a white SUV backed up to Will's garage a bit after 5 p.m., so not long after he talked to his wife. Right. It left only a few minutes later, and police stated that this vehicle belonged to a family member. Neither of these leads planned out. Or panned out. In May of 2017, detectives named Will's nephew as a person of interest. What? But you didn't say how old the nephew was. So I was just thinking he was like a little, <laughs> a little <laughs> nephew. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they, they could still do stuff like that. However, he cooperated with investigators and no arrests were made. In December of 2018, a human school was found not far from... Valencia, Mm -hmm. Will's neighborhood. This school has not been linked with Will, though, and may may very well be unrelated. Will's fate is still unknown. What? So whose was it? Well, and they didn't say that they saw the garage door open or see Will leave. Unless it was already open. I don't know. But yeah, it didn't say. It just said they backed up to the garage. What is going on? (sighs) Oh. I thought to do something like this. This is like my whole jam. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited for this episode. Well, the I'm next. I'm never getting to hear about them. Oh. Mm-hmm. In June 21st, on June 21st, 2013, was a busy day for Brooklyn Farthing of Madison County, Kentucky. Ooh. <laughs> um, the 18-year-old and her younger sister, Paige, took their driver's license test that day. Afterward, they attended their grandfather's 70th birthday party. That evening, Brooklyn, Paige, 
and a cousin went to a second birthday party, this one held out in a field. Paige and Brooklyn's cousin decided to leave the party early on. This was fine with Brooklyn, who had made plans to sleep over at the home of a friend who was also at the party. Plans changed, however, when Brooklyn's friend decided she wanted to spend the night at a boy's house. Trash. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) The two argued and the friend left. Never leave a friend. Don't leave somebody by themselves. No. Ever. You just can't. You just don't know what's going to happen. Towards the end of the party, Brooklyn was seen leaving with two young men, names withheld. Ooh. Mm-hmm. One of the men was dropped off, and the other man took Brooklyn to his house in Bura. B-E-R-E-A? Berea. Oh, psh. Berea. Mm-hmm. I get so bad, I'm like, Berea. <laughs> his house in Berea. It was from here at around 4 a.m. on June 22nd, my sister's birthday, uh, that Brooklyn called Paige and asked if their cousin could come pick her up. However, the cousin had had too many drinks and was in no condition to drive. Brooklyn didn't want her mother to have to come to come get her, so she called her ex-boyfriend, who worked third shift. He agreed to give her a ride home when he got off work, and it was at this point that the man who'd brought Brooklyn to the house left. Before long, Brooklyn's ex-boyfriend received several texts from her. Can you hurry? Please hurry. And then, I'm scared. However, another text came in text telling the ex to never mind. And that Brooklyn was going to a party in neighboring Rock Castle County, to the edge of which Berea is near. He asked who was going with, but there was no response. Brooklyn hasn't been heard from since. The owner of the house later returned to find it on fire, and firefighters would find some of Brooklyn's belongings still inside. The man speculated that the fire could have been started by a cigarette she was smoking when he let her by a cigarette she was smoking when he left. Okay, I mm-hmm. understand it now. I was confused at first. He said he left her there because he was friends with her ex-boyfriend and did not feel comfortable. He also confirmed that Brooklyn had spoken of a party in Rockcastle County. Brooklyn's whereabouts remain unknown and no arrests have been made in this case. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it was a whole thing. I forgot about the guy who took her to his house. Um, that his house caught on fire. Yeah, that's just... Yeah. I can't remember where I heard this from before. I don't know if it was on, like, a dateline or... Yeah. And, like... Something. I'm not saying he did or anything, but, like, he may not have done it. And, like, what luck. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's some bad, bad luck. I forgot about that. I... Which, I mean, it was 2013, so it's probably been a while since I've heard about it, but... Yeah. But yeah. So the next one is Marion Barter, a primary school teacher in Australia's Gold Coast, lived a seemingly normal, happy life. Things changed, however, when her third marriage ended in the mid 1990s. A few years later, in 1997, Marion abruptly sold her home and went on a trip to England. Her family received no further word from her until July 31st. When a message from Marion appeared on the answering machine of her daughter, Sally Layden, L-E-Y-D-O-N, if that's not right, I'm sorry. <laughs> Marion later called again from a payphone. Marion said she was in Tunbridge, Wells, Kent, and was having tea and scones with some old women and that she was having a good time. 
The conversation played out in several chunks as Marion had to add money to the phone. Finally, Marion ran out of coins and the phone call had to end. Her last words to Sally were, I'll call you back. Marion, 51 years old at the time, hasn't been seen or heard from since. Sally believes her mother truly was in England due to the delay effect on the cause. The case became stranger in October of 1997, however, when thousands of dollars were withdrawn from Marion's bank account. Sally learned from a bank worker that the money was withdrawn in Byron Bay, New South Wales. Police in Byron Bay never found any sign of Marion. Marion remains unaccounted for. What is happening to That's a lot of money. Yeah. It's crazy how they, like, because you would just think that they would be able to trace who took the money out. Yeah. Unless they were. Because it was out of her account. I feel like you'd have to be somebody authorized to do that. You can't just walk up. You'd think it'd be surveillance. Yeah. On the. Yeah, I mean, every. Which, what bank I mean, this was in 97, so I don't know. Oh, yeah. Well. <laughs> I know. I was. I take back everything I said. That was like pushing. It was like 25 years ago almost. It's like every case we do, we feel like it's in our time zone now. And like they have all the things we have now. But yeah, they don't. Yeah, like it's. Yeah. I mean, they may have. I mean. No. In 97, who knows? But. Yeah, they probably didn't even have it. Obviously on not. Because. I yeah. don't know. So, the next one says, At 9.30 p.m. on July 13, 2019, Erica Gaten of El, pa- El Paso, Texas, sent a text message to the father of her seven-year-old son. Can you send me a picture of my son in the movies? Question mark. Erica, 29, was attending a concert at the El Paso County Coliseum. So this request didn't seem too strange. What is strange, if not outright unacceptable, to Erica's family and friends is the notion that she would have just abandoned her son. Mm-hmm. Erica was at the concert with a date, her attendance confirmed by social media posts. According to the date, after the concert had ended, she was waiting for an Uber to pick her up. The date left at this point. It is worth noting that at the time of her disappearance, Erica was facing criminal charges, both for credit card abuse and criminal mischief. Mm. Her next court date was July 26th. However, El Paso detectives, that sounds so country, El Paso, <laughs> El Paso, El Paso detectives do not believe this is why she vanished. They do, however, consider her disappearance suspicious and have asked anyone with information to come forward. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, the Uber driver thing, I almost feel like, I know there were people who were, like, attacked by Uber drivers. Yeah. But it was so few. I feel like it was, like, the check in the Halloween candy thing. But Uber drivers out there, be careful. Because Uber drivers are being murdered now. Like, left and right. The next one. Chase Allen Lakey, or Lackey. L A C K E Y. Age 25 was a member of Recreational Softball League. Mm. On June, almost said July. <laughs> <laughs> on June? <laughs> on June 30th, 2017, he played a game 
watched by his father, Craig. Craig will never forget Chase's last words to him that day. I love you, Pop. That's tough. Mm. At least, at least, that, that at was least good it was words. something good, yeah. The next day, Chase has seen... The next day, Chase was seen walking his dog outside his Houston area apartment. Neither he nor his dog have been seen since. No. Nothing was stolen for Chase's ap- from Chase's apartment, and his truck remained untouched. Although investigators characterize Chase has been lived a normal life, foul play is suspected in his disappearance. Few details have been publicly released, but apparently some of Chase's friends have been involved in illegal drugs. Mm. However, no arrests have been made in this case, and two years on, both case, both Chase and his dog remain missing. No. I know, I think I've said this before, but like anytime an animal's involved, it just makes me really sad, because it's like... Ugh. Well, hopefully they're together wherever they are, but that's just... Like, usually the dog is never... Like, the dogs don't get taken a lot. Like, dogs get taken, but it's usually, like, there's a dog just... Wandering. Yeah, like, yeah. wandering because someone, like, kidnapped their owner or something. But that's strange. But see, Houston has, like... And I don't know where he lived in Houston. Houston's huge. But they have found... They've, like, checked the bayous. Because Houston's called Bayou City. Mm-hmm. Like, you would think Houston wouldn't have a lot of bayous because that's like a Louisiana thing but they have more bayous in their city than like I think it's maybe any other city in America maybe I can't remember but it's called Bayou City so it's got to have the more or whatever but they would drain these bayous and they'd find people's cars yeah and people who were missing who had like driven into a bayou and it was deep and then their car just stayed underwater forever you know, well, not yeah, forever, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, a, a while. Yeah, so anything could have happened, but hopefully, you know, nothing tragic. Maybe yeah. he just ran away. Ooh. Or someone just seen him and was like, oh. So, yeah. Matthew Weaver moved from his parents' home in Semi Valley, California. Hopefully, S I M I. Simi Valley. Simi. Mm-hmm. Simi Valley, California, to his own apartment in Granada Hills, Los Angeles, in the summer of 2018. Things were looking good for the 21-year-old power line worker, and he had plans to travel the world. Hmm. These aspirations were seemingly not meant to be. Ooh. That went dark real quick. Yeah, that like took a that. turn. Jeez. Four okay. sentences, and they said... August 9th, Matthew told his father that he was going out with a new female acquaintance. Acquaintance. I never can say that word good. Matthew picked her up at around 9.30 p.m. Damn, Dang, that's a late date. Uh And dropped her off during... Oh, and dropped her off during the early morning hours of August 10th. During this time, they reportedly had a private talk, in quotation. Matthew then drove to Topanga... An area in the Santa Monica Mountains. Mountains. Near sunrise, he posted a Snapchat picture of a scenic view and is believed to have entered a hiking trail. A few hours later, Matthew's female friend received some strange text messages. They read, Like some crazies going on. 
Ansh. It says, like some crazy is going on, O-N-S-H, and then it says, is going on, like he, mm-hmm. like, fixed, fixed it. it. Mm-hmm. And I just to talk while I have the chance. There was no further communication from Matthew, so those were eerie. Yeah. Matthew's last known location, according to Snapchat and cell phone records, was near Rosas Outlook. At 1.30 a.m. on August 11th, several hikers in the area called 911 after hearing cries for help. At around that time, California Highway Patrol officers reportedly also heard screams and possibly someone yelling, he's got a gun. What? This ain't, they ain't, mm. Matthew's car was found near a hiking trail, but the keys weren't located until January of 2019. When hikers found them a mere 25 feet from where the car had been. That same month, high-resolution drone photos of the area enabled Matthew's family to find a baseball cap and a torn t-shirt, which they believe were Matthew's. Despite the strange clues, Matthew remains missing. So yeah, he's missing. I'm wondering... I mean, so they found the cap and they found the shirt. And they said that they believe were Matthews. Hmm. So that's not like a. Oh, one hundred percent. Good thing. solid. Hundred percent. Hmm. But yeah, that's a whole. That's creepy. Yeah. What's going on? They heard screams. And the patrol officer reported. Also heard he heard screams or he she, heard mm-hmm. screams and yelling. He's got a gun. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Do they ever hear a gunshot? They don't say. No. Yeah, that's crazy. So, the next one. No, 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 no. Oh, I ain't gonna be able to say that word. Um, during the summer of 2000... During the summer of 2013, Candace Lahamacourt of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada... If I said her name wrong, I'm sorry. It's L uh, apostrophe H O M M E C O U R T. So I was just like Court. Yeah. Celebrated her daughter's first birthday. Among those in attendance was Candace's older sister, 25 year old Shelly Dean. Not long after that, in August, Shelly vanished without a trace. Shelly's last words to Candace were, Don't ever say goodbye. Huh. Shelly was known for her adventurous spirit and love of travel and had spoken of taking a trip to the Yukon. Over the next several months, calls and texts to Shelly went unreturned. Concern greatly increased in November when Shelly's phone was disconnected. I hate when that happens. Yeah. Shelly was finally reported missing. A clue came in the form of a witness report that a man was seen taking suitcases from Shelly's apartment around the time that she went missing. However, by the end of 2014, police had exhausted all leads. Candace has expressed her frustration with the police, who she says are reticent to work on Shelly's case because of her First Nations heritage and her high-risk lifestyle. I guess where she hmm. likes to travel and stuff. While Shelly's family acknowledged that she had dealt with drug and alcohol addictions, Candace noted that. Label every First Nations person that is missing or murdered as having 
a high-risk lifestyle or high-risk profile. They keep blaming the victim for what has happened to them. They don't blame society and what's wrong with society. These things shouldn't be happening to innocent people no matter what type of lifestyle they live. Shelly Dean has not been found. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so these are like, yeah, they're indigenous people. So basically, people in Canada are like, just like, oh, the First Nations people live a reckless life. Yeah. And they're just like, that's sad. Hmm. Yeah. Boo. What's her name? Shelly? Yeah. I'm assuming it's pronounced Dean. It's D-E-N-E. Yeah. Unless it's like Dene. Dene or something. I don't know. I'm not sure. But Can- Canadians. If we have any Canadians listening, keep your eye out for that story. We need to find yeah, it. Yeah. And if, let me know if it's right saying, if I need to say it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Please always let us know about pronunciations. Cause... Yeah, because I need all the help I can get. <laughs> well, I do too. I was struggling in my last one. In 2013, Brandon Lawson, 26, was living in San Angelo, Texas, with his longtime girlfriend and their four children. The oil field worker had found a new, more stable job with better hours and was set to start soon. But then Brandon didn't come home on the night of August 7th, and this led to an argument with Ladessa, his girlfriend, on the evening of August 8th. He had dealt with drug issues in the past and recently relapsed, so Brandon staying out all night was cause for concern. At around 11.53 p.m., Brandon grabbed a cell phone, a charger, his keys, and his wallet and left. His pickup truck was low on gas. Before long, Brandon called his father, Brad, and asked to stay with him for the night. Brad said Brandon was welcome, but since the former lived three hours away in Crawley, he advised Brandon to go back home and work things out with Ladessa. A few minutes later, Ladessa called Brandon and suggested that he go stay with his brother, Kyle, if he was still angry and didn't want to come back home. Kyle lived only five minutes away, and Brandon must not have been into the idea because Ladessa then called Kyle, saying she was worried about Brandon. At 12.34 and 12.36, Brandon tried to call Ladessa, but she didn't answer either time. At 12.38, he called Kyle and said he'd run out of gas on Highway 277, not far from Bronte. Bront. Mm-hmm. Kyle called Ladessa, who left a gas can on the porch for Kyle before going to take a bath. Kyle and his girlfriend, Audrey, left to pick up the gas can at 12.45, and at 12.48, Brennan tried to call Ladessa again, but got no response. Here's, when, here's where things become really strange. At 12.54 a.m., Brennan made... A call to 911. Parts of the 43-second call were unintelligible. Brandon spoke of running out of gas and being in a field. He said that he accidentally ran into some people, and there was background noise that may have been gunshots. The operator asked Brandon if he needed an ambulance. Amid indeterminate background noise, Brandon first replied in the affirmative, but then changed his mind and said, no, I need the cops. Brandon did not respond to the operator after this, though the unidentified background noise seemed to get closer to him before the call ended. Four minutes later, a passing truck spotted Brandon's pickup truck parked awkwardly on the highway and called 911 about it. 
at 1.10 a.m., Kyle and Audrey found Brandon's truck and were surprised to see a Coke County Sheriff's deputy there, too. There was no damage to Brandon's truck. Kyle and Audrey initially assumed that Brandon was hiding in the field since he had an outstanding warrant in Johnson County. They called Brandon and managed to reach him one last time. Brandon said he was 10 minutes into the field and bleeding and implored his brother to get to him quickly. Then, then the call ended and Brandon responded to no further calls or texts. Multiple searches for Brandon yielded nothing. Neither his bank account nor his cell phone showed any activity after that night. A few months uh, after Brandon's disappearance, investigators decided that Kyle was a suspect. They questioned him and they questioned him, and Kyle volunteered to take a polygraph test. Don't do it. Mm-mm. He passed. That sounded like I'm like, he's guilty. Well, <laughs> he passed. Brandon is still missing. Where is he? Where is Brandon? I have no idea. But yeah, that is all of that. Mm. That's pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was really good. I love Bennett. Like, I just want... It's not that I love hearing about people going missing. Yeah. But I want to know how to solve the case. Like, I want to solve a case. I want to help find someone. And I just don't... I don't know. We need to get on a case. We need to be investigators. We do. Oh, I'd love to be an... I tried to be a criminal investigator um, in the city I live in, and they didn't hire me i didn't get an interview like they were just like uh no bachelors yeah. of music no, no thank you and i'm like but i'm so good at at being a snooper and investigator and detective but you know they're lost they're lost <laughs> well um i hope you liked it i loved it i want some more of it as Willie really ray would say <laughs> um i don't know why that popped in my head Mm-hmm. Um, you can email us at ameliamurders at gmail.com if you have any comments, questions, concerns, stories. Yes, and you can go to our Instagram page, ameliamurders, and you can see pictures of the people, the places, the things. Um, there's also a link to our link tree from the Instagram, and you can get to our Facebook page from there as well. Um, a million murders and so you can go and like the page and then be in the group as well and then you'll see everything we don't really post on both of them but we needed a page so we have a page (laughs) and um yeah i think that's it well thanks for tuning in and we hope you come back for a a million million more more.